And we are live. Greetings to our loyal WFYL listeners around the world. Welcome back to your Philadelphia live stream only on the Freedom Station. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in once again, because you still have the right to hear and the right to be heard. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Mike G. As always with me are Philly Chris, Russ the producer, and Liberty Lee. And you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters. And you can listen to our program every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, only on the Freedom Station, WFYL. So let's be heard. I want to remind our listeners that you can participate in the free and open exchange of thoughts and ideas throughout the entire week by visiting MikeGInTheMorning.com. What's it called, Philly Chris? MikeGInTheMorning.com. How about you, Russ? MikeGInTheMorning.com. Liberty. MikeGInTheMorning.com. Special guest, Michael Knight. What is it called? MikeGInTheMorning.com. That is correct, sir. You can check out all the shenanigans that Mike G and Philly Chris are up to throughout the entire week. Check out our videos. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell your barber, tell your Uncle Jerry, tell anybody who'll listen. So check us out at MikeGInTheMorning.com. And with that, you know what time it is. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hit it, Ross. You know what time it is. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. We have a very special guest joining us on the Mike G in the Morning program today. The world-famous strength and conditioning coach, Michael Knight. Now, Michael is the CEO of Academy of Strength, and he's trained numerous celebrities, including Hollywood star Chris Hemsworth. He's coached the Detroit Lions, head strength and conditioning coach of the Detroit Red Wings. Michael pulls no punches. He refuses to mince words with his direct, no BS approach to changing lives through fitness. His mantra is change or die. So I guess we better change. Michael Knight, thank you so much for joining us. Gentlemen, my pleasure. What an honor it is. You know, I was talking because uh, of my, I guess, people look at me a different way. And then on Easter, um, Billy Chris reached out. It was Easter Sunday. And I told my clients, things have changed because God has now afforded me the opportunity to be on a Christian gospel station. So I must be doing some good things because God's allowing me to be here. And thank you so much, gentlemen. What an honor. That's amazing. You know, you That's never true. know how God's going to work in those various ways, right? <laughs> you never know. Uh, we make plans and God's laughing. So, Michael, you know, a lot of people are familiar with your work today. You've really blown up through social media and obviously your accolades, your accomplishments. We could go on and on and on. But I want to know a little bit about what it was like growing up for you. Where did Michael Knight come from? So tell us a little bit about life at an early age. You know, and, and I think that's where my humbleness comes from, because I grew up in a mobile home. Uh, my mother and father were both uh, high school educated, not college educated. Between the both of them, they worked six jobs. And I would grew up in a mobile home and I was known as trailer trash the majority of my childhood life. Um, I lost myself in sports. Um, I played five different sports, basketball, football, track, baseball and golf. And that was my release. Uh, my first date was my senior uh, prom, you know, so I stayed in my bedroom a lot of times. I was very isolated. I had low self-esteem, low self-confidence. And you know what? Through the grace of God and the people God put in my path and my mentors, here I am today. 
And when you say that you had a low self-esteem, did that have to do with uh, you know not being well off financially growing up? Is that where that? Yeah, I think I think one finance. I never knew what financially was because I grew up in a low, you know, rural um, farmland country. So we all, no one had a lot of money. We lived in you know big houses that were spaced out. In fact, when I took my college visitation to Orchard Lake, Sam Erie's out here, I actually pulled in the West Bloomfield High School because I thought that was the college because it was so big and I'd never seen anything like that before. Wow. I think it's more that. You know, you just don't know. You don't have self-esteem. Um, you know, my mom was very protective of me, so I was kind of a mommy's boy. Um, my father was an alcoholic, so um, even though I loved him, it was just, you know, it was an abusive relationship between my mom and my dad, not going to lie. And uh, she protected us, and I spent the majority of my time in the bedroom because of the fighting that was going on. But, you know, it just, it happens, it happens everywhere we go. But it was more just... You know, you just, you're picked on, people make fun of you, and you just accept it. You know, you're not accepting it. You're just sitting in a room and you're just thinking, you're just ignoring it because the only thing that's important to me is sports, you know, and that's the only thing that got me through school. Is That's got to be really tough to go through as a child dealing with that and, you know, having to do the regular things that children have to do, whether it's, you know, pass your classes in school and things of that nature. Was that a real struggle? Yeah, it was a real struggle, but, you know, my mom was the most, she's probably the most, the strongest woman I've ever met in my life. In fact, mm -hmm. when I do motivational speech, she's the one that leads it. You know, I may get there on the gift of being a strength and conditioning coach or a kettlebell instructor, but when I get there, they realize that my mother's the one that got me there. And that's what it's about. It's about finding your why. And she always was my why. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that until uh, later in life. And I think the kids have it tougher now now because you have social media, you have mm -hmm. bullying. And I mean, I can't even imagine being a parent raising kids in this day and age with mm -hmm. everything that's going on. It's been, I mean, since COVID, I think when COVID hit, kids were always told that they couldn't do. And now when the kids come to me, I want to teach them what they can do and what's possible because I think, you know, they, we shut them down so much. Their self-esteem, their fight, everything's been just taken away from them. So now the coaches have even a tougher job, I think, and parents too. Mm -hmm. you know, what were some of the values that you take away from you know, what your mom taught you growing up? Like, did she, what kind of values did she instill in you? Was it discipline, things of that nature? Just watching her. Uh, my mom was always overweight. And fortunately for me, I was a food addict too, didn't know it at the time, but I outran it. I mean, you got to remember, you know, I'm 62. So back in the day, there was no phones, there was no computers. I still remember playing Pong on a TV set. That was our computer. Mm. And, you know, we could eat whatever we want because our mothers would be on the porch at 10 o'clock at night with the streetlights coming on going, hey, Mike, time to come in. They're screaming. That's what we mm. did. We never, ever sat. Now it's just the opposite. The only way you can get kids out of, out, of, out of the high house sometimes is to have them play an AAU basketball and travel this, travel that, travel that. Well, what about the parents that, you know, can't afford that? Mm -hmm. You know, so getting these kids out of the house, getting them moving is a very challenging thing to do. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So with me, it's just watching my mom. And again, mm -hmm. you're too young. You don't know what you're watching and how she took care of us and how she took care of everybody around her with a smile on her face. And that's just my mom. It's all moms. You know, I went down to the NFL combine and we always do a thing where I say, put the most important person on your phone. And after I get done with a, a short spiel, I stand up, I say, how many people have a picture of their mom? And religiously, it's probably about 95% always have a picture of their mother. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's important to have a good mother. I guess we got Mother's Day coming up here, not too in the, in the too distant future. That's right. right. That's right. Yep. Uh, so you said that sports were your escape uh, when you were dealing with these challenges. Uh, did you gravitate towards one sport? I know that you're an accomplished basketball player and that might be what people know you for most. And were there any it's, other sports? It's, it's such a crazy story how people get places. So, 
Um, I played baseball, basketball, football, golf, and I only played football my last year. I played golf my first three years. You're probably wondering, he's 6'5", he's about 210, and the coaches would drive me crazy. So why did I play golf? Mm. Because I couldn't afford it. So if I went out for the golf team, I knew I got to play for free. Uh, and then my, co- and my coach knew my story. So he'd always give me the holes along the woods because I couldn't afford golf balls. So he'd give me the holes to go in the woods and look at golf balls. So I'd find golf <laughs> balls to be able to play. That's awesome. It's, it's, that's how I play. But the last year, I kind of knew I was going to gravitate towards basketball. So I had to toughen up, get in shape. So that's when I went out for football. So, and, so, yeah. and so you ultimately ended up playing basketball in college? This is the craziest story. So my coach, unfortunately, kept all my letters from me for people who were recruiting me because he thought it would be a distraction. So the end of the season ends and he gives me the letters and um, not a lot of people are looking at me. I was enrolled to go to Adrian College and I didn't even know I was going there. Uh, I took the visitation by myself because my mom and dad didn't even know how to fill out the admission forms. Mm. So I went down there because a guy that I played school, he was a senior graduate. He was playing there and the only reason I was going there because I knew him. No idea what I was going to school for. I just knew I was going to play. So I go there and I'm two weeks out. I have no clue why I'm going there. And all of a sudden I get a phone call from Tim Donkey, who at the time was the head assistant under Dick Vitale at the University of Detroit. Long story short, Johnny Mauer, an old goalie for the Wed Wings, came down with my uncle. My uncle was like my godfather, but he was like my father. Watched me, sent a letter to, you know, Tim Domkey, and Dick Vitale sends me a letter. Dick, Dickie V. I wow. put it in a frame. I put it on my wall. I know I'm not playing at UD, but it was the greatest feeling in the world that someone knew who I was. It's awesome. So anyways, Tim, Tim, so I'm, I'm sitting at home, and the phone rings on the wall. You still had the phones on the wall at the time. <laughs> and go, uh, I remember those. It was Michael Knight. I said, I said, this is Tim Donkey. I said, I'm his head assistant under Dick Vitale at the University of Detroit. I'm starting a college basketball program. I don't have a team. I don't have a uniform. I don't have a schedule. You're my first call. What I can tell you, if you get hurt on the first day of practice, your four-year scholarship will be paid for. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got the St. Mary's two weeks before school started. So I go to take the visitation. As I told you, I'm driving through this big town and I pull in the West Bloomfield High School thing and that's the college. Yeah, but that he was my first mentor because of the fact that, uh, you know, I had to come down in, he, now he's at UAD. He knows all the pros, all Americans, college players. So now we have open gym. He invites me, he says, We're, you know, open gym starts this day. So go down to play the first time. Now, I'm a left-handed player. I would love to play the game. I didn't want to practice. I was a horrible practice player. And when I got done playing that night, I sat at the end of the bench, and I really contemplated quitting. I was so embarrassed of myself. Mm-hmm. So he comes over, and he sits down next to me, and he goes, I can teach you the game, but I can't teach you what's inside you. And he looks over to me, hands me the key. I said, what's this? He goes, that's the key to the gym. Five days a week, Monday through Friday, from five to nine, you will open and close this door. Now, mind you, I don't have a job and I don't have money. Mm. Now I get a part-time job at a gas station. Back in the day, you had to, you know, we had guys that would pump your own gas for you. Well, back time you would take it and you could, people would actually order a dollar's worth of gas back in the day, $2. Well, if they ordered a dollar or $2, what you would do is, God, don't, don't listen to this part right now. (laughs) You would take the the nozzle when they pump two gases and you would just hang it there. It'd still be running. So in the next car that pulled in and ordered gas, you'd start it at two, give them five, pocket two, and that's how I was able to afford gas to go back and forth. Wow. So that's where I, that's where I learned that, I, I, you know, I'm going to work, I'll work everybody. You know, maybe the game will catch up to me, but you're not going to outwork me. And that's, I think that's where it started. It was a fear of failure. That's where it started. Hmm. 
Yeah. What did you Four say years. while you were there? Mm -hmm. But here's a kicker too. So now freshman year comes in, find not working out, never, I never worked out with weights. I hated it. So mm -hmm. I'd go in to renew my scholarship. They take money out. Next year, sophomore, same thing. Took money out of my scholarship, not working out. Junior year, same thing. Takes money out. Now I get to my senior year. And I was one of the favorites to go work basketball camps. I was, you know, the personality I had now. I just loved it. And there's stories I could tell you about that. So the coach from the high school there and Tim called me in the, into the office and they said, listen, we see a bigger future for you than playing basketball. Now you're not going to start. You're going to catch a lot of, you know, a lot of flack from the guys on the team. But we want you to coach the JV football team. I go, I don't know anything about football. I played one year. Mm -hmm. He says, nope. He says, we just like the way you handle the men. And these guys are staying at school. So the kids that were going there were going to a boarding school. It was an all-guys high school. Well, it was a very powerful high school. So guess what head coach has to do? The coach has to take you to the weight room. That's when I started. Wow. That was the first time I ever stepped foot in the weight room. Then I had a guy who was built like Arnold Schwarzenegger on the, uh, on the team. His room was next to me, and it was a cement wall. He had a dumbbell under his bed, and he would take it. And at 8 o'clock in the morning, he would just start pounding on the wall and wake me up and drag me there. <laughs> I went from 221 pounds. By the time I started my senior year, I was close to 240. My confidence in the self-esteem grew immensely, and people looked and treated me different. Right, right. And I never let go of it. As I'm sitting on your station right now, and there's a Bible here, my mom up in heaven, I have not missed a workout since that day. Hmm. Wow. I have never wow. taken a week off, broke my hand, doesn't matter. I'm going to find something to do because that was my medicine. That was my escape. So I replaced it with sports and that, that was a release. And we just, you know, we go to the weight room with what we knew. We know when we graduate, that's, you know, what you think, you know, I go to the combine and I'm looking at players, I'm going, you guys don't even know what you're doing in the weight room. Well, you think about it. You know, you played baseball. We go to the weight room when we're in high school. You're not going to get a great strength and conditioning coach unless you're at some top school, which is not going to happen. Sure. Then you go to college, and unless you're playing at a Division One like Michigan or Alabama, you're not getting anybody there, too. So by the time you graduate, they expect you to know what you're doing in the weight room when you go to college. When you're done, that's it. You take that knowledge, and you go on with life. Right. The last thing you have, though, but the only thing you're leaving with is no accountability now. No one's going to tell you get out of bed, show up, do the work. That's what America's was. That's what we're missing. There's no more accountability. Not even on our pro athletes. Look at our pro athletes. Sure. What was their accountability? They had coaches. They get paid. They're supporting. All of a sudden, the game ends. What happens? There's no more accountability. Mm -hmm. right. They don't have to show up, and then their health goes to hell. So you'll work that much. You'll spend that much on a game, but then when that ends and the game of life starts, eh? And eh, forget about it. It was fun. And that's my now, I want to talk about this. Do you notice a parallel? Because you mentioned there that you only started lifting when you had to be the leader. And you said that your mother, in instilling values, she really led by example and you watched her and that's how you learned your values. And when it became your time to be the leader and to lead by example, that seems to be what forced you into the weight room. Is that true? It was. It was what it was, it's what put me in the weight room. But it was when people started looking at me differently. Mm. And it was that it was the correlation of getting in the weight room for the first time and having people believe in me and mm. look at me like I was different, like I belonged. And there's nothing better when kids come into me. I always tell people in my room, when you come to me, it is not about a workout. It is not about food. It is about self-esteem and self-confidence. And I don't give a sh how, how old you are. Mm -hmm. Men, women, it doesn't matter. It is about self-esteem and self-confidence. And when we do the right things, we'll get those things back.
Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, and, and just and just the knowledge, you know. And that was another thing. I mean, just getting to where I'm at, you know. When you put your name on the door, you know it all. Just look at me, you know. My name's on the door. I know everything. Right. And I went on my first podcast when I was doing a podcast a couple of years ago, and I actually apologized to the people that came to me the first twelve years because I didn't know a thing. I was just giving you a harder workout than everybody else. I was just screaming louder than everybody else. But then when you step, you put your ego away and you take all your weaknesses and you go find those people who do it better than you and you create a team, no one can touch you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you talk a lot about that on your on your channel that you even have, you know, someone doing your, I think, like your 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 uh, exercise plan and even some mm-hmm. of your plans. Right. Yeah. Well, the first thing I do whenever I go anywhere and you'll see this, you'll know, you know, those trainers. How many trainers tell the tell you about their trainers? No one. I always tell people, you, when you go to find a trainer and you're going to hire somebody, ask them one question. Who's your trainer? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Ask them who their coach is. Mm-hmm. And if they say nobody, walk away because that person thinks they know it all. My coach has a coach. His coach has a coach. His has a coach. I always start. I'm here because of what Denzel Allen, Power of Strength on Instagram, taught me. He is my coach. He was seven years ago, eight years ago now running strong. He writes every single one of my workouts for me, my athletes, people with with handicaps, he does everything. I do what I do best, teach, coach, and motivate. I have my own chef and I have my own nutritionist, PhD, Michael Paul. So he writes my food, I have someone cook it, I put it in my mouth. Danzel tells me what to do, I go in the gym, I do it. I'm just like you guys. Mm-hmm. I just I just follow directions. If you follow directions and you have great coaches, you'll be successful. But if you're going in any department, whether it's nutrition, fitness, anything without a plan, good luck, mm-hmm. good luck. Speaking of a plan, what did you anticipate doing after uh, you finished up in college? Did you plan to simply coach organized sports at different Oh, levels? no. You can't believe how I got here. <laughs> so when I graduated, oh, God, turn your head again, please. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I had a fascination with wanting to be a sportscaster. Mm-hmm. So I went to work for um, – I went and I interned at – um, Channel 7 ABC here in Detroit. And they said, well, you already graduated. You need a letter to get into the internship program or get, you know, get a job here. So Father Cliff was a great communications arts major. I mean, teacher, he was phenomenal. And I'd always go in his house and just happened to be in his, they call it the castle, his office. He left the room and I'm sitting there and what's on his desk? Letterhead. <laughs> well, I told you, what are they going to do? I mean, what's it say? So I grab, here's the best part. So I, grab, I grab a couple pieces of paper, letterhead. I forge a letter. And remember, they didn't have type, it was the hunt and peck typewriters. Right, right, right. They had misspelled words in the letter. That's great. But, so I went down, I interviewed yeah. you, and lucky for me, I could play softball. And they had a very serious social media team. So they go, well, we, we're going to hire him. So I worked at Channel 7 as an intern every single weekend for two years for free, three to midnight. Wow. Because I wanted the job so bad. So what did I do all the time? So I worked in a bar and that was it. You know, I was living at home with my mom and just, you know, had no job. So then finally, when I told them I was going to quit, they hired me. I'd stay there for maybe another two years. Found out that's not really what I wanted to do. Went to work. My first sales job was with Kraft Retail Foods. And I swear to God, every week, I mean, every year after that, maybe a year and a half, I'd switch jobs. Mm-hmm. So I got to about 30, 
34, 35, and I've been fired for the second time. Now I'm thinking to myself, and it was a good paying job. I was in medical for about eight years hmm. and I got fired and I'm thinking, okay, my resume is so large that I have to take jobs off because I had, I had job town so much. And I'm sitting there and going, no one's going to hire me. They're going to look at me and go, who's going to hire this guy? So I'm collecting, here we go again, God, turn your head. <laughs> I'm collecting unemployment for 56 weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm working under the table um, at a bar. And I said, I might as well start training because a couple of my clients asked me to start training. I said, sure. So I was training a couple of people, collecting unemployment, working in a nightclub. I was almost making more cash at that point because everything was cash business, even the pet personal training business. Right. So this goes on, goes on, and I'm thinking more people are asking me to train. I don't have a degree I'm training yet. They keep asking me. I'm going, how many people can I train before I don't have to go back to work? And I never went back. Hmm. Wow. And that was it. So I just started because I was charging $30 an hour. I was training in groups, and I was just more intense than everybody else, and that's how it started. That's Is that what it was? Was it the intensity that – Well, they saw my craziness in, uh, I used to teach spinning because I found out about spinning in Chicago. I was on on the uh, shores in this, this, they have the spinning class outside. I go, oh, I love cardio because I was in that mood. And so they were going to start a program at the gym. And I go, how cool would it be to teach a class and get paid for it? So that's where I go. And I was a lunatic in spinning. I mean, (laughs) a lunatic. I had one time I was uh, I was dating a girl and she was in the spin class and I would do a combination spin class and then we would walk out. We would go into a yoga class. Well, in between, I, would, I made a fun thing. So I said, now, if you guys want to do yoga, my twin brother will be next door. So I go downstairs, I change clothes, I grab a shake. I go in the yoga class. After yoga class, the girl comes up to me and says, you are nothing like your brother. <laughs> <laughs> I said, honey, it's the same person, but that's the kind of intensity I have. You know, play music, go crazy, and they just they love you. So it was fun. That's so that's why I got started. So people would come to my spin class and then they'd see me training and that's kind of just correlated over. So I told people, if you want to get better, just go to a, you know, go to a gym, be a great, you know, um, uh, teacher for classes and they'll, they'll follow you like the Pipe Piper. If they love you in class, they'll hire you as a trainer mm-hmm. after you start. Instead of oh, trying to sit there and beg people to train with. That, that yeah. picture you show of yourself when you're heavy on the Instagram, when was that? Like, when were you at your head? I was 36 years old. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 36, 36 right. years old, and the doctor was in my class, and he must have said, I don't know, oh, 20 times. He said, when's the last time you had a physical? Eh, yeah, whatever. He goes, no, really. So, the, you know, one time then, you know, the his doctor, I mean, how many times the doctors call you to schedule an appointment? <laughs> yeah. You know you're in trouble. So They call our producer, Russell. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so you know, I'm, I'm calling to make your, uh, your appointment. So I went in and did the physical. Yeah, it's been 15 years since I had a physical. I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, what am I going to the doctor for? I have no problem with me. And uh, so he called me back two weeks later, and you know, the doctor the nurse says the doctor wants to see, and he walks in. He's one of my students, so he knows who I am. He looks at me, he goes, "Hey, I'm going to tell you just like you tell everybody else. He's changing and die." Mm-hmm. And I wow. got in the car, and I don't know if you've ever felt that way. You sit there and you have this like deja food feeling, like you got that you know like sickness feeling. It's like where do I start? You know, and and, and again, it, it would happen in three. So I got that message, put a pair of shorts on, and. I looked in the mirror and was like absolutely disgusted. Like, how in the hell could this happen? And then there was a trainer at my gym before I started training that always was bugging me. Come on, let me work, let me train with me, train with me. I know everything. I'm benching, you know, 405. I'm squ- I don't need you. Get away from me. It's like being on the golf course. You got a bad swing. Everybody wants to fix it. Right. And uh, so the three of them happened all together. Three, you know, they say things happen in threes. So the threes combination. And 
it just kept moving from there. But and how did you like, get to that point? You're teaching spin classes and you were lifting weights. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So it didn't matter. I mean, I, you don't know because everybody would think I was a football player. So I was 336, but I look like I'm, you know, like I'd be on draft night tonight. Gotcha. Um, and you get caught up with that. Oh my God, where do you play football? I'm just kind of, you must be a football player because I was working out. Right. I, I had a 50, I had a 39, 40 inch waist and a 54 inch chest. I looked wow. like a football player. I didn't train yeah. legs. Of course, we didn't train legs back then. Maybe the leg press. But, you know, you had the arms and the shoulders and you just went in and just lifted heavy stuff. And you just, I mean, back, back then it was a whole different game. There wasn't Instagram. Everybody was walking around with their clothes off and, you know, things like that. But, sure, um, right. yeah. And what, what was your diet like back then? What were you eating? Everything? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so you guys might be a little young. Do you remember the Beverly Hills Billies? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Please say you remember the. Jeez, uh, come on. I, okay. I know what you're talking remember about. Jethro? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the you oldest one on the show, right? though, Michael. Yeah, I'm the oldest. I used one. to call it. The, so my mom had a salad bowl, and that was my cereal bowl, and I'd eat a box of cocoa pebbles every single mm. morning. Get out of here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My mom would, would pack lunches. So the big sandwich for me, because I'd always be on the go, was um, one pound of bologna, Oscar Mayer bologna, on Wonder Bread with butter and Fritos packed in and smushed together with bush beans next to me where I could dip it and eat it on the way. (laughs) I'm not making this stuff up. Then I get hot lunch. Oh, then I get hot lunches. Then they had concept. It was like, if it wasn't moving, I was eating. This might be a good time to play one of his Instagram videos, maybe, because you do a lot of the stuff on there. I don't know if we want to do that or not. Did you ever go back, Michael, and do the math and see how many calories you're putting in your body? Uh, I guess, you know, it's just, and that's why I went back to those restaurants because I, I stopped one day and I'm just what, I think what it was, it was the Chick-fil-A land that just snapped, snapped me. I said, this is ridiculous. Mm. And I'm just watching who stands in line for an hour to eat a piece of chicken. When there's a grocery store right across the street. Well, that was me. We're just doing knee jerk reactions. You know, it's like when I started, started training kids and they started doing amazing things. I call Michael Paul and Michael Paul, you're not going to believe what these kids are doing. He goes, why are you so surprised? Their brains are not hardwired. They don't know what you put a good teacher in front of them. We've all had them. Those kids will run circles for you. Mm, But adults are so hardwired. It usually takes us a catastrophic event. You you know, you get bad news. And then what happens? Where do you go? And who are you going to get answers from? That's the key because, you know, it's like, you know, you go to the doctor. Well, hey, you need to lose weight. No kidding. Hey, you need to (laughs) strengthen your core. Well, good. Could you show me? that's, That's true, right? Yeah, it's oh, like everywhere you go. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I noticed that unfortunately, a lot of these doctors that, you know, they're not eating right. They're not exercising. Oh, half of them are half dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my mom was on ICU one day and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the corner in a room and all of a sudden I see the nurse's station. There's like 10 people back there and they're talking about ordering three pizzas. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I'm in an ICU unit and I got right. 10 overweight nurses going to hold pizza. So I, I popped my head over and I go, are you, I said, you know, I'm thinking, should I? Of course you do, Mike. So I lean over the top of it and I go, are you serious right now? I'm in an ICU unit and you guys are ordering pizzas. And I turned around and I walked back and they continued to go. So I walk around the corner and um, I pull out 50 bucks and I look and I hold it there and they go, oh, no, 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 you don't have to pay for my pizza or pizza. I said, no, no. This is for three minutes of your time. $50 down. And I just went there and I just gave them a little spiel. And I said, are you serious, guys? I said, this is ridiculous. You're in an ICU unit. You're ordering pizza. I said, you guys are going to end up here. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about? Yeah. But it's everywhere. They're in a hurry. They don't have time to eat. And then you go down to the, you know, go down in the hospital. And it's the same thing. 
Right. You know, they don't, you know, but they don't know. They don't teach this in medical school. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So. It's, it's, it's wild. I had to go to UCLA with a family member. And I remember while they were getting surgery, I went into the cafeteria. And you see all of these brilliant doctors in there. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you have these people who are supposed to be at the top of their field and about the human body? And I can't find a single thing in this entire place that I would put into my body. Something's <laughs> right. not right here, right? right. Uh, Russell, do you have any of those videos that you could pull up? We got to show our audience some of this stuff, get them hooked. Yeah, definitely. Oh. No, I love watching your videos, Michael. They crack me up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the story was going to be that they ordered the pizza, it showed up, and you, you took the pizza and you threw it all in the garbage. <laughs> Actually, you should start with the one that says Michael Knight at the doctor's office because I, I did see you when you were going to visit your doctor, and it's similar to the story you were just telling. Oh, with the pizza with the doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you might want to play that one, Russ. I think it's the one in like the baby blue color there in the. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 yeah the, the one that set it apart was Starbucks. Yep. Yeah, no, oh, I love it. Yeah, I'm sure that's a major issue with so many people. They don't realize what they're putting into their body with one cup of something, right? It's they really, they really don't. You know, uh, I've been open for 19 years, and what happens is I'll ask people when they come in, I go, does anybody, I'll ask you guys, how many calories are in a gram of protein, carbs, and fat? Um, isn't, um, I know it's more dense. And I protein. asked you a serious question. <laughs> Answer. You're and hauling like my clients. Four and nine, right? Is it four uh, and nine? Keep going. So you got two. Here's the correct answer. Mm. Uh, Go ahead, Michael. Four, four, and nine. Carbs, four, four, four. Okay. Four, I got two. Four. I got two. We're close. Good. Yeah. I'm glad you're paying attention. A little bit. I'll have a test after this is over. <laughs> <laughs> four, four, and nine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Okay, it's time for my three-month checkup. I get my blood work every three months. Today, it's time to visit Dr. Nager. And when I walk in the door, everybody freaks because they know I'm going searching to see what's in the icebox. Follow me. Let's go see what we can find. I'm at the doctor's office. This is Nicole. Nicole, walk me over. Come on, Nicole. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Are you... This is what happens when you walk into your doctor's office. There's always good people that live here. Oh, let's, let's do one better. Let's go in the refrigerator. There's nothing. Oh, look at this. Kidding me? <laughs> Just remember if you want me to make a visit to your location, shoot me a message. It's always fun and exciting when I walk in. Have a great day. And remember, I'm watching you. You do your editing or you, you have somebody who does it or? Uh, I shoot everything. Yeah. And I shoot it. Over, and I have a couple of kids that um, they just started up and they put it together. They send it back over to me. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, I make my own stuff up and yeah, come up with great. these ideas. Like I'll I'll wake Lori up about you know you know three in the morning I, go, I got an idea I got an idea so, oh, God. <laughs> so thank yeah. God she gets up at four thirty a lot of times so, but, that's yeah. funny yeah I've called Mike in the middle of the night a few times like yeah that. he's like can we talk about this tomorrow <laughs> yeah, exactly right <laughs> like no it's now that the country what time you wake up what time do you wake up in the morning because you hear about all these uh, other fitness guys they wake up at three a.m. and they're in the gym and everything like that what's your I get up at um, I start every day Monday Wednesday Friday at four thirty with a five 
five-minute ice shower. And then wow. um, I'm in the office at 5.30 on Tuesday and Thursday. I get to sleep until 5.30. And that's been for the last 19 years. I train everybody. I don't let anybody train anybody. And that's the big thing is, you know, when you get someone my age, they've already handed it off to the interns and the kinesiology student. You're not getting those guys whose names are on the door. Mm-hmm. And I want to know why. And the other thing is, is that you got these big name guys. Can you ask a question? Why did you guys stop working out? You know, the only time you guys show up when they're a pro athlete or a handicapped person or a photo op. And it's just so disgusting that we get bamboozled like this. You know, and I, I was one of those kids. You walk in and, oh, here's 42 jerseys signed. Well, guess what? Those guys were that good before they got to me. You know, same thing. I got a couple. I got pictures of the guys. I don't have jerseys. I don't have hats. But they were that good before they got to me. Now, if I can give them some some things to make them better and sustain their longevity, great. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I can. But, you know, it's like quit, you know, do your job. And the same thing when we got into the kettlebell training, I called great coaches and they, you know, you know, like um, one of them was uh, Mike Boyle, very well-known coach, incredible coach. And I called him and I, I texted him, I DM'd him. I said, uh, Mike, can I bend your ear? He goes, what are we going to talk about that kettlebell thing? And I go, oh, here we go, 24-hour cooling out period. <laughs> and, then I, <laughs> and then I came back and, you know, we started talking. I, I said, you know, you mentioned a few guys and I said, Mike, the bell's good at 220 pounds now. And I said, let me ask you a question, Mike. Is it because people don't want to teach it, that they don't know how, and they don't want to make the investment? He goes, you hit the nail on the head. And I said, I'm thinking to myself, as a strength and conditioning coach, handling athletes at whatever level, isn't it your job to invest in the equipment and the things that make people better to give them the best opportunity? But we're too cheap and we don't want to learn. So we keep doing the same things over and over and over because it's overwhelming to do what? Be a teacher. That's what they're paying you for. If I have to see one more trainer, show me what you do on Instagram, I'm going to vomit. <laughs> we already know that you can do that. Okay. Put your clothes on, little boy and little girl. <laughs> now, I will pay you to have you do that to the rest of your clients, which I don't see. That's what you're paying me for. If I can do it, I should be able to teach it to you. Can you get it out of your mouth into their brain and have them perform it? That's what you're getting paid for. And that's where no one sees it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I want to go back to the waking up at 4.30 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> no, I only did that because my name's on the door. Forget it. When I was in sales, it was noon. <laughs> right. yeah, okay, gotcha. Right, gotcha. Yeah. And is it because the business lends itself to people coming in before they go to work and things of that nature? Yeah, I, you know, people don't understand, you know, that I'm trying to really – I'm a couple of weeks away, but you know, people are reaching out to me and they want to train with me, and I want to do it the right way. There will be a virtual program. When COVID hit – Okay, no one's listening, especially the cops. I never closed down. Um, I called my builders. I said, I said, I need uh, dark shades in. I'm not in a on the beaten path. I'm off the beaten path in an office building. I said, I need dark shades in tomorrow. I sent all my kettlebells home with all my older clients. I started a virtual business the next day. Mm. I had to travel to two different states to get enough kettlebells because one thing about kettlebells, if I have 20 people and I teach right, I get 20 of the same looks. If I put a dumbbell or a barbell in your hand, I get 20 different looks, and that's why people can't teach it. That's wow. why it's so it's much easier to teach. And once you know the movements, it will not only change your life, but it will actually give you a higher quality life because it's an incredible tool. And I just love, and my mom was sitting up there. I worked 467 days straight in the dark without a break. You know, my clients started counting down. It was what day I was going to snap. And my mother was probably sitting up in hair going, that's my boy. That's my boy. And I was so proud to be able to keep the, the longevity of the older people because, you know, when COVID hit and it, it hit, the stories are just endless of how people are just not going back to corporate. We're all overweight. The obesity rates are going up and there's no end in sight. And no one's talking about it. Now they yeah. got these, these drugs. And I just want to. Oh, forget it. Mm. Don't get me started. Yeah, it's insane. 
What, what is the history of the kettlebells? Like I, I, you know, from watching your, your channel, I know you, I think you went to some program for like almost a year to get truly. Yeah. It was funny because, like, yeah. Like, what's the history of them? Like, where do they, well, it's, it comes back with, it's called the Russian kettlebell. And long okay. story short, if you go way back in time, the Russian shoulders, soldiers, soldiers mm -hmm. actually had to carry one during the war. It was what kept them in shape. So they used to carry one, and if you, the story goes, if you ever saw, if soldier ever saw one, they would kind of like spasm because they always had the handle. Well, Pavel mm -hmm. Testolini, who was my CEO, is also the United States Secret Service trainer. That's oh. my coach. Oh no kidding! Well, he came from Russia, right? He calls everybody a comrade, and at the time he was part of RKC, which is the Russian Kettlebell Certification. And they were splitting off to go to Strong First. So I kind of waited because that's the time I was ready to go. I started off with Anthony Delugio. He was the owner and creator at Art of Strength. And I always had a fascination with it, but it was, at that time it was very barbaric. Stand on a platform, do a clean, and just stand there and keep doing the same thing over and over. It's not what I wanted to do. I found him and I ended up going with my training partner to Chicago to the Perform Better um, seminar. So it was three days, $400. So didn't really have a lot to do with it, but me and my buddy were playing with a 35 pound kettlebell, which is a 16 kilo. Well, he brought his sister there and she started playing with a 53. And I said, well, I'm just gonna sit back and watch. I'm not playing with this thing. Mm -hmm. And afterwards we went up to him and says, uh, do you teach certifications? He said, we do. It's a two day certification, $1,600 and starts in three weeks. Hmm. Mm. At the time I'm in debt, I'm already on a credit card debt, you know, living in, I'm just running bills up. I have no money coming in. And at that time, he, he says, I need to talk to you individually though to see why you're coming. Long story short, my partner backs out. I call the day, I put everything on my credit card and took a chance. Get to training. The first thing they do is they put six people up in front, the trainers, and they take the six minute test. I don't know why they're doing it. I remember I have, I'm the only one in the class that not really hasn't touched a kettlebell. Mm -hmm. So they get done doing this and he says, okay, everybody grab a bell, let's go. And I went to grab the 35 and Beth Chamberlain, look her up, she was on the guiding light as an actress. And she goes, what are you doing? That's mine. And she pushes out of the way. She hands me the 53 and we go. I do my first 10 kettlebell swings. I walk in the bathroom. I vomit. Oh, mm -hmm. Really? Wow. Come back out. Oh, no. Come back out. 10 swings again. Back in the vomit. Hmm. I come out. She looks at me. She goes, don't worry. We've all been there before. That's the intensity of that tool. Mm -hmm. It took me nine months to get in shape to pass that test. Wow. Now, that's the thing. The problem people don't realize when someone puts a kettlebell in your hand and they're not certified, they are changed. It's incredible. They're playing with your life mm -hmm. wow. because it's the only certification that's physical. Hmm. So people will come there and spend the money and they will not pass the test. But then when you pass the test, what happens? It took you X amount of months to do this. Now you're ready to go put in someone's hand tomorrow. Good luck. It's yeah, like the, it's like the resident just graduated. And, hey, by the way, I'm performing open heart surgery on you tomorrow. <laughs> hey, go swing this thing over your head and see if right you so it usually head. takes a good three yeah. four five years for someone to really understand it mm -hmm. and be able to teach it and that's the nuance it's not you cannot and this goes with anything people you know your audience please listen instagram is for entertainment and it should come with a disclaimer that don't try this at home is number two Mm. You're not going to be able to do these exercises. Do not look at them. Don't ask for them to DM you for a workout. Don't buy their videos because you will not be able to do this stuff at home. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. Could I do it tomorrow? When you train with me futuristically, you will have my eyes on you. There will be an accountability program. When you're training, you're videotaping, sending things back to me to break down. I don't want a thousand people. Mm -hmm. I want a handful of people. Yeah. Because in the people who are reaching out to me, 
these are 300. I mean, the people I've changed just, and you don't know how you get to people, but people just, they're tired and fed up of, of just being, you know, babysat and told cutesy things. And, you know, it's like, let's get real. You know, it's like when you're training a 50, 60, 70 year old people, they want to live. Mm-hmm. But these trainers that are young, they just want to babysit them. You know, right. my oldest client was Gene Miller and um, his wife, and they were she. He was eighty-two, and she was eighty, and um, they came to me. Gene Miller is the ex-CEO of Comerica Banks. He was with me two weeks, and he said, "If you ever need money, let me know." Hmm. Nice. <laughs> to, train, to find those people who you get to train for an hour. Let's give them a call now. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Lois and Gene Miller—they were my favorite. They're the only ones I never yelled at. They're the only ones I never yelled at. But <laughs> <laughs> when you when people get in there, uh, do you think that sometimes, uh, particularly earlier on, when you weren't quite as famous, do you think that there were people who walked in and it kind of turned them off? They weren't ready for somebody to be so honest with them and. And they couldn't handle. Oh, that. you're going to have that. You know, it's it's like you you learn as your confidence goes up. You know, you can't really go after people when you don't know everything. You're you're not solid yourself. Mm-hmm. You're just better than the other person. You know, like I said, it wasn't until I really, you know, and I'll I'll get how I got back there. But you know, it's like they had nowhere else to go. They just knew my passion. I was just more passionate than the other one. It's like a guy called me from Philadelphia um, the other day, and he's a young man. He's, he's going to the gym with his um, wife. And he, he says, uh, I'm amazed at how many people you can train. What's the secret? I said, let me ask you a secret. I said, tell me your program, this and that. And I said, well, tell me a little about it. He says, well, we do strength for half an hour. And then we um, give them the option of doing cardio um, or they can do another half hour strength. I said, okay, how many other gyms are on gym? They go, two. I said, what do you do different? I said, what do you do different? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't have an answer. They're mm-hmm. all doing the same thing. Right. Who's going to take pictures with you? Who's going to hug you and tell you nice things because they have to, because they want your money. I don't want your money and I don't care. I have the best customer service. If you don't like it, the door swings both ways. Just get the hell out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And and they appreciate that because I am that good because of my coaches. I didn't just, you know, I didn't learn it in a book. I'm not better than everybody else. I just... You know, when you when you have something, when someone tells you you're going to die, you lose and you go through a transformation from being, you know, people say, oh, you lost 121 pounds. You know how I lost 121 pounds? Me and my mother went to William Beaumont Diet Center. And, you know, when someone tells you you're going to die, it was three days later. And I said, well, where, where am I going to go? So I go, Beaumont Diet. You know, they, they're the ones that take care of heavy people. So we walk in and the first thing me and mom get there and they're wheeling people in there with six, they're 600 pounds on gurneys. They can't walk. They're on gurneys. Everybody else was in wheelchairs with oxygen tanks. And I looked at myself, I go, this is my life. Right. Yeah, right. My mom's 400 pounds. So at that point I go, good, pull it up. I want to see what this, what this beautiful program is. It was called five plus one or six. So five plus one is you get to eat breakfast. And then every three hours after that, it was a protein shake and vegetables. Okay. So I could do that. Or it was six, all protein shakes and vegetables. What are they doing? They're putting a calorie deficit, controlling your calories. Hmm. Well, I said, well, I can do this. So at the time, metrics was the only thing out there. I'd go have breakfast every morning, eight egg whites, burnt hash browns, bowl of oatmeal, and double wheat toast, I think it was. Every three hours after that, it didn't matter where I was on planet Earth, it was a protein bar or a protein shake. Hmm. One, now, you know how many weight loss companies came after me after losing 121 pounds? 
And they want you to pretend that you use their system. (laughs) Exactly. That's what they all do. And I said, no. And the problem was I had just put myself into death a second time because I was in full-blown adrenal fatigue and I was in full-blown depression. Mm. I couldn't, my mail sat on my, on my counter for three months. I'd go to work, come back, go to bed. I didn't care. Yeah. Why? Mm -hmm. Because I was thin. So just give me five minutes here because now we got that ozemptic out there and all the the weight loss drugs. Yeah. Mm I know why they're doing it and I know they don't care. If you're on it, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. The FDA, because I have some doctors, should have done something that they didn't do. Number one, put them all in the DEXA scan before you start. It's a machine that will measure your body fat, your visceral fat, your bone density, and your longevity. 30 days later, put them back in. You know what's going to happen? Their weight is going to go down and their body fat's going up and their health is going to go down. Hmm. No because there's no way you guys are you guys work out just think about not eating anything you either can puke diarrhea nausea now they're having symptoms of hallucination but they don't care and i knew that i know why they're doing it mm-hmm. of course you don't care because you've never been thin right but now that you're now you feel like you found the fountain of youth well guess right. what fen fen was the same thing back in the day what happened to them there is no quick fix yeah but again if i'm sitting where they're at who are you going to trust where are you going to go what an Instagram model that you know it's going to show us his apps? Yeah, remember one percent of the whole world has apps. You have a better chance mm. of being a millionaire. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, did yeah, you, it's not something you can buy. Yeah. When no. you went to the weight loss center, did you expect some kind of a quick fix? Were you yeah, well, it wasn't a quick fix. I just operation. thought it was going to be some miraculous thing. Got but it. basically, they created their own protein shake. I think it was one hundred ninety calories. Well, vegetables, you're not going to OD, and all you're doing is putting these people in a calorie deficit. Control. I did that too. So when I came out of the metrics part, I was speaking at Antonio Gates. He was a foot, he was a tight end for the San Diego oh, yeah. Chargers, I think. Diego, yeah. 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 So he was, he, they hired me to come out and do a, a presentation. And Ron Rice was the president of the NFL um, Alumni Association. He was there. Well, they found out about my story about losing the weight. And they came over and they get, they're going, oh my God, you got to go listen to this guy talk. I listen to this guy talk. So I think they're going to come over and talk to me about working out. And at the time, that's when I was full blown adrenal fatigue. Ron looks at me, he goes, How you feel? What do you mean? He goes, How you feel? We, they look at me, they know I'm in shape. And he got me. I go, to be honest with you, I'm not that well. Mm-hmm. They were isogenics rep- representations. Do you know isogenics, the multi-level marketing company? Oh, no. I think okay, I've heard so of that's, it. Yeah. it was like a multi-level yeah. company, big time. Uh-huh. So basically, they got me. So then I went to eating three meals. I did a nine-day cleanse off their program. I felt like utopia. Well, why? They put food in my body. Uh-huh. They put a vitamin in my body. They put minerals in my body. Right. So that's, that's all I did because I was working out like a fiend. I was still doing cardio like a fiend, but I didn't have anything in my body sustained, but I didn't care mm-hmm. because I was thin. Yeah. For the yeah. first time again, I was thin. I didn't right. care. And that's what this world is, is basing their whole life on. Mm-hmm. I don't care what I do as long as I'm thin. Yeah. And Especially just, if you've been overweight and then you get back to it. It is. It's a real high, you know. 100%. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Do you take any nutrients or supplements like vitamins or minerals or anything? I don't take anything, but I am on, I've been on TRT with my physician and my nutritionist since 54. And basically TRT is something I'm not here to condone it or it's everybody's individual. But for me, it's one of those things where, hey, you're 62. If you want to feel 62, that's fine. But there's a lot of great doctors out there that will tell you if you're over 40 as a man, probably get it checked out in women yeah. over 50. So that's wow. the only thing that's, you know, I do my blood work every three months, go back in and out, be adjust anything I need, but that's the only thing. But I don't go to restaurants. I don't eat out. I don't yeah. go anywhere. I'm different. I walk around with water bottles. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is you know? there a lot of meal prep involved? 
you know, I like to cook and I got some great recipes. And then I have a chef who's a gourmet chef. She'll take my macros and, be, and surprise me. And then this is a kick one. So when I spoke at the NFL Combine, um, Jimmy Kimmel is there. He's the uh, the president of the one here in Indiana. Jimmy, what do you guys do for, for food? He goes, what do you mean? He says, well, they stay at the hotel and they eat the hotel food. I go, you mean the bar, the breakfast bar? He goes, oh. <laughs> so at the time, I had heard about this guy, Todd Abrams, that owned a company called IconMeals.com. And I looked it up and I said, wow, this is incredible. I said, you can customize your meals to whatever macros and food you want. And they put it on your doorstep two days later. Wow. It took me 13 calls to get to him. I said, I'm not leaving a message. I need to talk to him immediately. When he got on the phone, he basically funded the first um, NFL combine that I was and brought in food for all the guys. That's amazing. But it's, I mean, it's, it's a no brainer. The food is incredible. You go on iconmeals.com, you go to custom meals, mm. and you pick your food out. Two days later, it's on the doorstep. When I, I, saw, I saw the video where you were traveling, you were putting those in your luggage, right? In your, exactly. in your, car, in your uh, checked baggage, right? Well, that's what I did yeah. when I had the chef and before I got icon. But okay. then what I do now, and this is, a, again, this is how I travel. Or they were if waiting for you at the hotel, for, that's right. Yeah, if I'm going to do something for three or four days, I'm going to be out of town. I order my meals, and when I check in the hotel, they're sitting there. Man. People say, you're crazy. I go, do you know what it costs me to eat out? Go on vacation and take your family out to eat and then tell me if I'm crazy. The food's there. It's done. In fact, I checked in for the second uh, speech at the NFL combine. The girl goes, I remember you. I go, how do you remember? She's the icon guy. I said, she remembered bringing food to my own, you know, to the party. Funny. Wow. It's very telling of society now, though, that people don't think that way. They you don't. Know, that and that's just where, go eat. Yeah, yeah. And no one's going to tell you to do that. They're going to think you're weird. But when they see what I've gone through in the process at the age I am, it's not that I'm 20 or 30. I keep, I'm, I'm getting stronger every day. I, because I don't do stupid stuff. You know, I have my coach, he writes the workout. It's incredible. If you go in without a plan, it's one thing to have a plan. If you don't know how to perform the plan, you're still in square one. I mean, I will tell you, if I went to the gym, in fact, I had to pull it off. <laughs> so I went undercover. Oh, geez. Instead of going to the restaurants, I went to health clubs, and I was going to take videos of people exercising. I mean, literally, I've been there 10 minutes. Literally, and in, in, I'm not making this up. I would say that 90% of people in all health clubs have no clues what their health are doing. Mm-hmm. No plan, just just lifting weights. And it's just, it's such a shame, you know, but I was that, we were all that same guy. We go yeah. from high school to college to so here's what I know. Oh, and then you go look on the board and, well, this guy has 17 certifications, so I'll hire him. Right. No, he just, he read it out of a book. And so if I had advice for anybody that was watching to pick somebody, how do you choose a trainer? Pick someone that's about 10 years older than you, maybe 15, that understands what he's doing. And, you know, just talk to them and look and watch. Watch. Like I said, if you go on my Instagram, which is join Michael Knight, watch what I do. You will never see two reps done differently. You will never see me set up two times differently. So when I won the world title the first time, the Tactical Strength Challenge, three events, it was a tag, it was a kettlebell snatch test, um, pull-ups, and deadlifts. Now think about that. I'm 54 years old at the time. I weighed 253 pounds. I did 16 pull-ups, pulled 470 pounds when I never deadlifted a day in my life and did 154 snatches in five minutes. The certification's only 100. So people said, well, how did you do that? I said, because I had a coach that was worse than me. He's incredible. And his attention to detail is what wins. Think about golf. Think about any sport, anything you do in your life. Who's going to win? The one that pays attention to details and knows what to look for. So when I coach, it's second nature to me. I could pick it up a mile away because of the tools they have in their hand. They're all supposed to look the same. If they don't, I can change it and correct it immediately. Mm -hmm. 
And awesome, yeah. do people ever get irritated with that level of attention to detail? Not irritated, but frustrated, maybe, uh, because they weren't looking to push themselves quite that hard. You know, I think it was Nick Saban who said that uh, the toughest thing for great people to do is get along with mediocre people, uh, because the great... <laughs> The successful great person wants to always take it to that next level and will be willing to do things that the media per mediocre person will not. Have you ever run into that where you've got a client where um, they're just frustrated with your attention to detail and being a perfectionist, so to speak? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> if I had, my clients come to me half of the time for entertainment. If I had a reality show, they all said we could have a reality show because on a scale of one, you're hearing my my passion at about a two. I don't I don't change what you see in those videos on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That's me, mm -hmm. and I don't care. My job is to I know more about my clients than they know themselves. Mm -hmm. And what I tell you, when you come to me, I'm not looking at you today, next week, next month. I see where you're heading in five years, and I'm not going to be here, and you will not find another me. Right. And it's very frustrating, you know. And I can say this, and I'll play it back for them. How do you come to my gym? I give you chefs, the best training, the best programming, the meals, everything, and you still fail. Because their brains are hardwired. Something's more mm -hmm. than important. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why I always ask, what's your why? So when they say, oh, my kids are my why. What did you have for breakfast? Nothing. Well, it must be important. All you have to do, and that's my, one of my biggest things, I always ask people, what did you have for breakfast? And everybody says, just lie to them, just lie to them. <laughs> it's like, but it's like, how do I give you the information and I give you choices and you still want to do your own stuff? Right, right. What, 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 what don't you see? I like What's that one video. Breakfast? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. What's your favorite breakfast? I have two, I have two favorite ones and this is a great recipe. So do you like egg whites? Of course. Yeah, you like oatmeal? Sure do. All right. Listen, guys, this is like this is like dessert for breakfast. You take a quart of egg whites, put them in a blender. You put a cart. You put a cup of oatmeal. Now, for women, that'll be two servings. For guys, it'll be maybe one, one. I mean, maybe three quarters. Okay. Mix it in a blender. Heat a pan. Put it in a pan. Give it two minutes. Start flipping it like a pancake. Scramble it like an egg. You're done. Take mm -hmm. that. Take a cup of frozen fruit berries out of the refrigerator, not in the freezer, because it'll be melted. Put that on top or change your topping, you will thank me, and that will be it. The other one I do is overnight oats, which I take one cup of oatmeal, one cup of almond milk, two scoops of protein powder, put the same berries on top, put it, it doesn't need to be overnight. Literally, overnight oats can be done in two hours. Mm. It's like eating candy, and if those two <laughs> things don't taste good to you, then you should be committed to an insane asylum. <laughs> <laughs> we probably should a, be anyway. But. Yeah. Yeah. We, we may have been separated at birth. Have you ever tried mush, the, the pre-made overnight oats? Mush. Why would I need pre-made? I can make my own. Uh, <laughs> he got you, man. He Are you me. that lazy? Uh, Jesus. I have a question. Like Michelangelo over here. It's right. like he's a purist. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, how do you feel, how do you feel about like dark chocolate things on top? Just a tiny little thing. Yeah, of absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. My, my chef will do that once in a while with that. She'll put frozen like, you know, little chocolates inside and it's perfect. Or even drizzle some chocolate on top. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's all the time we got for today. Stick around for We the People, the Constitution Matters. Pastor David Whitney, Professor Philadelphia. I'll be joining as your leader.